This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. All right, welcome to the Hiking Through Like podcast. We are joined today by Frank Hintz, who is a seasoned traveler and outdoorsman himself. And he's the founder of American Backcountry. American Backcountry specializes in t-shirts for national parks and forests for all types of outdoor enthusiasts. And they're also printed on recycled fabric. Their most recent design has one shirt made from five plastic water bottles. And they're some of the fastest drying, moisture wicking shirts on the market. So we're really excited to have Frank on our podcast today and share the history of the company and where it all began. Thanks for joining us, Frank. Thank you for having me. So let's kind of talk about your outdoor background. We were talking about it a little bit here, but what got you into the outdoors? Have you always been an outdoors person? I grew up in uh, Western Pennsylvania in Pittsburgh and uh, got involved with the Boy Scouts when I was a, a young buck and kind of gained an affinity for all things outdoor at that point in time and maintained a close friendship through high school into college and to this day with a group of about eight guys that I was in Boy Scouts with that uh, we took what we picked up there and kind of uh, followed down the road with it. And a couple of them that for 30 plus years that I've gotten together with uh, pretty much annually uh, to share the wilderness with. I mean, that's so neat already in itself to form friendships at Boy Scout age when you're a child and still have them into your late adulthood. That's a huge gift in itself right there. I would agree. Wow. So that kind of really laid your foundation for it. And was your family at outdoorsy at all, or was it more so the Boy Scout experience? Uh, not really. My oldest brother was in Scouts, uh, but beyond that, uh, it was just kind of, I got into the hip pocket of a couple of guys that were older than me, uh, liked what we were doing, enjoyed the challenge of uh, winter camping and the what we used to call survival trips, uh, 50 mile backpacking trips with packs that weighed probably more than we did at that point in time. And yeah, the technology has definitely changed over the years in backpacking gear. Uh, you'd be, yes, you've got that right. I, I can imagine that when you started, you started with one of the framed backpacks. 
They were the old ruck packs that, uh, that seemed like revolutionary because they had a frame because when I first started, I had my uh, oldest, my older brother's pack, which was circa uh, 1960 something that uh, wasn't very comfortable. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I can imagine. Is there any gear that you used when you first started that you still stick with to this day? You know, when I got married, uh, th there was some uh, tough choices that I needed to make and some lines that my wife drew as to what was going to make it and what wasn't going to make it to our new house. And some of the uh, gear that I grew up with that I wouldn't get rid of uh, that I hadn't used in uh, 10, 20, 30 or 20 years, uh, I was forced to part with mostly because of it stunk to high heaven uh, and I could handle a bit. My wife couldn't. I, I do hold on to a canteen that I had from way back then. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's, that's something to hold on to. I can definitely relate to your wife's um, can't, can't stand um, stinky packs. After my husband through hiked the superior hiking trail, he's been hanging his backpack in this office that I sit in. And it is just so stinky. And he through hiked that back in September and it still holds its stink. So I finally said they need to go to the garage. There you go. <laughs> and I like backpacking too, but yes, having the smell in my house can, it can go other where, somewhere else. <laughs> is your, is your wife into the outdoors herself too? She is. She was a outdoor education uh, major from uh, Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina, and she was a wilderness uh, counselor at different state parks and uh, conservation areas in the southeast and up in the northeast. She spent a year at uh, Bear Mountain State Park, which is actually right on the AT in New, uh, upstate New York. Uh, so, yep, she's uh, cut her, she cut her teeth in college with that, and it's kind of been in her DNA as well. So we've awesome. got that shared interest. Yeah, yeah, that definitely connects people. She's been very, she's, she's actually been very instrumental uh, with the business for a long time as well. So uh, you, you may hear from time to time that a man's as good as the, you know, woman that's guiding his thinking, and I'm here to concur that that's accurate. Good. I like that. That's good to hear. We can't survive without our woman. <laughs> oh, so is, did you have the idea for these t-shirts when you were out hiking? Honestly, it kind of happened pretty quickly. Uh, a guy that I grew up with. Was it a Boy Scout friend? Um, yep. I had that uh, was a... Um, artist who was an ad agency art director in Washington, D.C., and I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time. He was disgruntled with the, what he was doing, wanted no part of it, and moved down to the Outer Banks and started printing t-shirts illegally in a basement uh, on the Outer Banks, uh, selling to local gift shops and some of the uh, destination outfitters there. And he didn't have an affinity for sales at any level. And I had kind of cut my teeth doing that as a profession. And he baited me with a letter one day uh, in the mail 
kind of asking, you know, just giving me a hypothetical, what would it look like vision and suggesting that I could build it any way that I wanted to. And here's how it would work. And uh, didn't expect an answer right away. It asked me to think about it. And I didn't take too long to think about it. I was disgruntled like he was uh, putting on a suit every day and uh, calling on lawyers and bankers and other professionals and took the bait. And that was back in 1993. And I did it for uh, two and a half years part-time. Uh, and the way that uh, Robert had suggested it to me is just build it ever, however you wanted to build it. And I had had a, uh, was living in Washington, D.C., was spending a lot of time in Shenandoah National Park and over in uh, Monongahela National Forest in West Virginia. And the AT spends 105 miles in the park and had the thought of putting together a collection of t-shirts on the AT that represented key spots along the trail, places like Clingman's Dome and the Smokies and Roan Mountain in Tennessee, Mount Washington in New Hampshire, just a collection of AT highlights. And uh, we that's how we got started. It was just doing a collection of 12 different designs along the AT and took, a, took it to a group of local retailers, took it to some national parks uh, that bought into it and uh, really a business was born like that. And I think I read on the site that um, there was like a story of you standing on top on the top of Mount Washington looking over Mount Washington and someone named Peter um, had suggested like a topographic map of it. Right. Uh, the, I was one of our very first accounts was the Mount Washington Observatory, and I had made arrangements to meet with Peter a particular afternoon and spent a couple of days in the valley. I was getting ready to get a hike in the AT through Maine. This was in 1995, and I had a new pack that I wanted to test out and uh, went up over uh, from Pinkham Notch in, in the White Mountains to Mount Washington and and let's call it less than favorable conditions and uh, very inclement weather. And I got up to the, the summit uh, and got into the observatory where there was a person who was a host for the museum there that kind of quickly shuttled me downstairs to what they referred to as the you know, backpacker sanctuary room, which was really where they shoved the smelly through hikers or people that were scaring away the tourists. So <laughs> went down there and kind of cleaned up and met with Peter and he presented an idea of uh, a, a graphic that he was hoping to get for the observatory that uh, showed all the different approach routes up to uh, Mount Washington, which there was 21, 21 different trails that you could hike to get to Mount Washington or access trails, feeder trails that would get you up to Mount Washington, which seemed like a really good idea. And it was, and kind of ran with that. And, you know, one of the things that we have found, Sarah, is, is that over the years is that uh, our best teachers are, and our best ideas generally come from our customers, you know, that uh, are willing to give us ideas or they're willing to share information, little tidbits that put together some creative thoughts that kind of uh, find their way to some really creative t-shirts that have 
done really well for us over the years. Some of the AT shirts that we've got, uh, I've got one particular Appalachian Trail design that's been our best-selling shirt since 1999. You know, every year we sell more of it than we do anything else. And it's uh, kind of hard to think of that, but it's that it's had that staying power for that long that it has. And what about that design you think makes it such a top seller and so special? Well, we became partners with the Appalachian Trail Conference then, which is now the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. And really quickly after we got started in 1994 and uh, in 1999, they came to us and asked us to show them some ideas of some product that we could build using their logo. And their logo is iconic, the AT Diamond that carries with it an even more iconic slogan that has been around for 75 plus years that married up with the AT Diamond just kind of creates a, a story unto itself. Anyway, it's it's a design, we call it the AD, AT Diamond Topo, and it's uh, what got us into a lot of doors that we originally had been trying to get into uh, that had real challenges with it, like REI, um, Eastern Mountain Sports at the time, uh, Shenandoah National Park. Uh, that was, so it kind of opened doors that we weren't able to open before that and got people to take a look for us. And to this day, a lot of the outfitters that are along the trail from Georgia all the way up into Maine uh, carry it. I mean, folks like Mountain Outfitter, or excuse me, Mountain Crossings, at Neil Gap, which is the first outfitter 38 miles up from Amakloa Falls that uh, people land at to go through what they call a shakedown, which is where people who start out through hiking with kitchen sinks in their pack, you know, starting out 40 to 45 pound packs, they uh, leave mountain crossings with 25 to 30 pound packs, you know, they've long been supporters and you get up into Nantahale Outdoor Center, Western North Carolina, Bluff Mountain Outfitters. There's a whole core of outfitters that have set up to support the trail community. And they've been customers of ours for two, two plus decades and um, have been carrying that shirt ever since. What a cool history to have and like just a really strong foundation to have with all those those trail towns. And unfortunately, this summer, those trail towns probably won't be doing that well (laughs) well we've had a lot of communication with uh with with those groups of late i actually uh, had communication with uh, my very first atc contact uh, brian king this morning about uh what was going on in uh um, being a part of the national park service it was highly recommended to that they shut the trail uh and that uh, local municipalities have done that. So there's a lot of people that were shuttered and stranded uh, in their through hike off the start. And the hope is, is that at some point in the next, you know, whatever that period looks like, whether it's a month or uh, maybe a little longer to, to get those stories uh, uh, that they've been looking, dec- you know, for a lifetime to create uh, back on the trail. But um, a lot of those folks that I've been, that I mentioned uh, aren't open right now. And they're, struggling to to keep it together so my hope is is that they'll sustain and my uh, desire is to be uh, as good a partner to them uh, towards that effort whatever that might mean 
Right, right. I mean, we all kind of got to help each other out in this time. But yeah, it's so unfortunate. So many people that were planning to get out there on the Appalachian Trail to through hike had to cancel. Well, the challenge, well, you know, there's a there's a, a strong sense of resiliency in those that are in it for the long haul or a section height for that matter, or any distance on the AT, because there's a lot of adversity associated with it. Biggest challenge is that if the support system uh, that's in place to make getting from point A to point B for resupply isn't there, it makes it virtually, I'm not going to call it impossible, but really difficult. If the only support system that you've got is the local post office that the outfitter that you need to get a new set of shoes from or that um, you know the initial pack that you started with isn't cutting it or your your stove isn't working if you can't get a new one that makes it really challenging to continue so my hope is is that they'll all be able to get back out there sooner than later yeah yeah i think that's all their hope too and yeah, we can't predict it, but we can only cross our fingers and wait. So how about you? Did you ever do a through hike of the AT at all or of any trails? I have hiked uh, large chunks of the AT from, and, and I methodically, at one point, uh, it occurred to me that it would probably be a good idea to start doing it uh, from Georgia and start heading north, which I did eight years ago and uh, I'm up in uh, central Pennsylvania at Port Clinton. I'm supposed to take a trip actually next month and I'm sure think I'm pretty sure that it's going to get backed up to uh, later in the summer uh, from Port Clinton up to Bear Mountain, New York. So I'm methodically piecing my way north 150 miles a year. I I've done big sections of it in the South, big sections of it in the North, bunches of Virginia, but I had never really pieced it all together. And it occurred to me that if I was gonna put that together as a, a, a desire that I ought to start from the beginning and try to just move North, which I did. So I'm making my way North. Yeah, yeah, getting it done in chunks. And are those all typically uh, solo trips? I had a childhood friend of mine who was going with me uh, for uh, first five or six years, but it's gotten more challenging for him to make it. So I've been running it solo the last couple of years. And it's, it used to be, I'd live in Asheville that I could get to a lot of different places on the trail by car, but that's gotten a lot harder. So it's kind of uh, flying into some place and then, um, hiring somebody to drop me off and leaving a car someplace else and getting from point A to point B. Yeah. Yeah. And so were, was your whole plan with the shirts to make them moisture wicking and sustainable and recyclable from the beginning in 1993, or is that kind of an idea that's evolved over time? Uh, you know, in 1993, I didn't have much of a vision. My, my whole plan was, is that I wanted to stop, uh, having to wear a three-piece suit every day and, and be able to get outdoors as much as I possibly could. And so, you know, and, and be able to feed myself. That's, that's as far as we could get at that point. Honestly, the market tells you what you, you need to hear if you're willing to listen. And like most people back in the 90s, we were working with 
uh, cotton t-shirts, uh, performance fabrics back then were even from uh, the premier brands like North Face and Patagonia, if you washed them and I mean, they, they stunk to high heaven. I mean, they were just, uh, just horrible. Uh, and honestly, you'd have to throw them away after, you know, a half dozen or 10 different washes with them. So we started selling performance fabric in 1998, I believe it was. Uh, one of our local AT accounts had uh, suggested that we might want to uh, consider uh, buying some shirts along those lines, and we did, and it worked. And uh, honestly, we really got heavily into it. I had a, a meeting with my buyer from REI, or who was then a pro- uh, wasn't a customer, but met me at Outdoor Retailer in the summer of 2000 liked what she saw and asked us to make our whole presentation for them on performance fabrics for the following year. And we did, and they uh, gave us a, a shot and it worked really well. We did a, a national park collection that landed in all of their stores across the country and really put us on the map. And I'm really grateful. And, uh, and then, you know, it was, it had to do with sustainable fabrics uh, in I guess it was probably 2000 or two, 2003 or 2004 organic cotton really took on a stronghold and companies like Patagonia and, and, and North Face uh, made a real statement uh, along those lines and the industry followed right behind it. And we got involved with doing that as well, but we really kind of cut our teeth uh, in a, a model of our own uh, a few years later where partners of mine from Charleston, South Carolina, who uh, make our performance apparel, uh, were dangled a grant by the state of South Carolina to uh, refurbish an old textile mill in upstate South Carolina that had been closed since the mid-90s uh, when a lot of the mills uh, moved down into Central and South America and onto Asia. Uh, and we started, uh, my partner had a background with a company called Unify, who had brought out uh, a fabric called Reprieve, which is made of recycled water bottles uh, and has a really uh, good story behind it, a good local footprint of about 100 miles from Yatkinsville, North Carolina, uh, down to where the uh, fabric is refurbished and dyed and colored and sewn in South Carolina and we took that to a group of our national park accounts who were under a bigger mandate by the National Park Service to take a closer look at green product if you would and it really uh, uh, caught on for us and that it's a really good garment doesn't hurt. Uh, It's a made of a uh, it's a tri-blend fabric that uh, is made of depending on the size between five and seven water bottles. So it's a good story. We marry really good, strong graphics with it. And it's kind of helped us uh, stay relevant in the marketplace. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think things being sustainable and recyclable is just becoming bigger and more popular. And people are, like you said, starting to grasp onto that idea so much more, especially outdoors enthusiasts. Typically they're always about helping the environment Uh, There's a dynamic that takes place in a lot of retail environments these days, whether it's in our outdoor retail accounts or in national parks or destination outdoor type folks that we sell to. People come in looking for 
t-shirts to buy as a souvenir or, or, or just a, an item to have uh, that they gravitate to the hand of the graphic, the hand of the garment before they'll even consider the graphic. And if it's not a super soft butter-like feel to it, they won't even consider it. So the, uh, you know, in, in our world, we need to heed that. And, and so having a garment that naturally put that together uh, by, and, and having a, a really good green sustainable story behind it has been a, a real good win for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the designs on them are, are you the one who makes those designs? I no, that's not the case. I have a very talented group of uh, artists and illustrators that uh, I've been able to work with for a good while. And I uh, think I became, I let's, let's put it this way. Um, I've become less relevant in my ability to spot emerging trends as I've gotten older. And it took me a while to realize that. So it became real important for me to, uh, to get uh, some people on our bus that uh, had a real good eye for that. And so I was able to hire a, uh, an old tattoo artist from Staten Island and a, a couple of local artists uh, from North Carolina who, and one from Colorado who've been doing it for a long time, but have really, really strong illustration background that have uh, helped us emerge into a, if you would, a, a new look American backcountry, uh, because we had been known for a long time for a particular style of graphic that got us into REI in 2000 and got us into majority of the national parks in between 2000 and 2010, but wasn't going to keep us there. Uh, and so to have uh, that group with us now has been really helpful and you've met Natalie who we brought on as a uh, communications coordinator on our behalf a couple of years ago who has been instrumental in working with our artists and illustrators to kind of convey the message that we're looking to so uh, I'm grateful the team that we've been able to compile. Yeah, it sounds like you have a really strong team working working with you. And then there was also another person named Jack who reached out to me, who sounds like he's part of your communications team. Yeah, Jack is a uh, uh, Jack is a through hiker. Uh, hiked the AT last year, and Jack was supposed to be on the CDT this year, uh, but got shuttered uh, because the well, for obvious reasons, Colorado shut down. Uh, so he was a brand ambassador that uh, kind of got, well, he, he had to, he stopped. So he's, he's in Arizona for a while uh, camping until he can get back out there. And, uh, but as soon as he can get back out there, he will. And then uh, his goal is to hike the PCT next year and just keep going from there. He's going to triple crown it, huh? Yeah, that's it. Jack is a, a son of a, one of my wife's college friends and, who saw he was hiking the AT last year and uh, we sent him some shirts while he was on the trail um, that he was pretty stoked about in war for us. And uh, then uh, Natalie had reached out to him earlier this year to see if he may be interested in uh, becoming an ambassador for us of which she jumped on. Okay. Okay, cool. So yeah, I mean, there was a group of people funneling the emails, but that's awesome. I mean, it's, it sounds like that's what you need, like a strong background of hikers and enthusiasts who are all working towards the same advocacy and goal. 
That's very accurate. Yeah, that's awesome. So the shirts, you said like this Appalachian Trail design is your top seller, but what was the very first design you guys had? Honestly, the very first eight uh, designs that we have are a collection of eight t-shirts that were kind of um, interpretive designs that held little little tidbits of history of different uh, AT highlight spots like Blood Mountain in Georgia, Clingman's Dome in the Smokies, Roan Mountain in Tennessee, uh, Mount Rogers uh, in Virginia, and all the way up the trail. So it was kind of a collector series where we took little historical background information about the spot, how the trail became a relevant part of the history of that location. Uh, for example, in Mount Rogers in the uh, Grecian Highlands of Virginia, told a little story about the wild ponies that are a very big part of that uh, hiker experience. Uh, so that was the first collection of shirts that we did you know, back in 1993 and 1994. And was that kind of just because that's where you had been hiking so much at that time and that's just how that happened? Or was there a reason you aimed to have it be that? The very beginning of when I got involved, my partner, when he had uh, kind of ran away from uh, a corporate job in Washington, D.C. and landed on the Outer Banks, he started doing lighthouse t-shirts, historical lighthouse t-shirts for the Outer Banks and some other places in the southeast, and then kind of built a collection uh, in along the East Coast, and then actually up your way uh, in the Great Lakes area, and then and uh, had a good bit of success with that. And we did a little bit of a mail order business when I first got started with that, and it worked really well. Uh, we had a real strong following with it, and it seemed to be a natural gravitation for that kind of as you would probably be familiar with living in New York, uh, excuse me, in Minnesota. The Folks that are interested in lighthouses love lighthouses. My my yeah. thought process was that the people that are interested in, in uh, the uh, the AT are going to be interested in AT t-shirts. You know, and there was uh, a stat uh, out there back then that was that on uh, on any given year that there were four million people that experienced the AT at some level or another, whether it was you know four or five steps at uh, Bear Mountain Zoo in New York or uh, in the Smokies, uh, but at some level, four million different people had had a personal experience with the Appalachian Trail every year. So it seemed like a pretty good place to start. Yeah. And I mean, that's so true. People that are interested in the AT gravitate towards it. They're going to want more information about it. When they see something about it, they're going to dive right into it. That's, that's really neat. And then it seems like there's also um, shirts made about the PCT and the CDT. That's, a, that's correct as well. We've had over the years relationships with those cooperate, cooperating groups that uh, work with the National Park Service, like the uh, Pacific Crest Trail Association and the Continental Divide Trail Alliance. And we've affiliated with a lot of other uh, advocate, advocacy groups over the years as well, uh, groups like Leave No Trace that uh, have been a bit, big part of uh, uh, our story since really, since really we got started. That's awesome. All the other designs, are were those, I mean, like you said, you were, you kind of take ideas as your customers give them to you. So is that kind of how all the designs formed from then, just through different customers 
Not really. I mean, the, I, I, the, what I've learned, and it took me a while to learn this, is, is that uh, our key customers are our best idea generators. And, uh, you know, from that, I, it's not like they come as with uh, complete thought out designs to bring to the table. They just give us some ideas. And uh, for, you know, and, and my job is to, you know, cultivate those into something that's uh, marketable. Over the years, we have kind of carved out a seat on the bus uh, in the outdoor retail world and the national park world where uh, the customers that we sell to, we bring a particular value to them. So our particular value into that space is what we would call as destination specific. So, you know, with a lot of the national park customers that we sell to, like in Glacier National Park or Rocky Mountain National Park, what they're looking to us for is to bring some really strong, creative uh, graphic designs that are going to be relevant to guys my age who are baby boomers, but be able to uh, cross a line uh, and, and reach out to a millennial as well, which isn't an easy thing to do. But the how we do that is by taking on specific themes from different locations, you know, and so from someplace like Glacier National Park, we would be highlighting Logan Pass or Lake McDonald or going to the Sun Road, which are all part of that experience. For someplace like Great Smoky Mountains National Park, it would be Klingman's Dome or Mont Leconte, just kind of the icon experiences. So we design around those and cultivate and garner collections, which has been a real good thing to do because more and more what we're told by these key accounts of ours is, is that the, they're getting asked for from their partners and their, their partners being the National Park Service uh, is that they need uh, to bring creative and uh, relevant interpretive designs to them. So kind of right place, right time. Yeah, yeah. I know I saw the, uh, the Devil's Tower mm-hmm. design on there. That one stood out to me because we were just there last summer. So I saw that I was like, oh. <laughs> Just those big iconic places that, yeah, stand out to people. Become they become part of uh, somebody's uh, vacation library, you know. Yeah. Do you guys have any shirts specific to Minnesota yet? Oh, we've got a, a strong uh, Boundary Waters collection. We've done a good uh, Voyagers. Uh, at one point, we worked with a lot of the uh, Minnesota State Parks uh, up on the North Shore. Uh, so. The answer is yes. So people could go to the state park shops and find your shirts? Not at this point in time. I mean, the it's been a number of years I since I've made that trip up onto the North Shore. So the some of those relationships have whittled. Uh, but some of those, uh, in particular, the Boundary Waters designs are available on our website. Neat. That's a really special place to a lot of people mm-hmm. in Minnesota and out of Minnesota because it sounds like you've taken a few trips up there. Well, we we work with a pretty big part of our customer base as well as the um, Boy Scouts of America, in particular high high adventure bases. So we there's a place in the Boundary Waters called Northern Tier uh, that uh, brings in thousands and thousands of kids from around the world to take wilderness canoe trips every year uh, along the same lines that they'll go to places like Philmont Scott Ranch in New Mexico and Florida Sea Basin. 
the Florida Keys uh, for lifetime adventure trips. Yeah, it's funny you say Philmont because there was another woman we had on our podcast a few months back who went to Philmont with her son as an adult leader on a Boy Scout trip. And this was her first time ever going on a backpacking trip. But Philmont was really like the foundation for what inspired her out her love for the outdoors. Well, Philmont's a gateway for a lot of different uh, uh, people. I, there, there's a who's who list of the outdoor retail industry that, you know, the, that kind of got their start as kids going through Philmont uh, and became big brands in the outdoor world. Uh, so, I mean, it's a, there's a close relationship with a lot of companies in the outdoor retail industry with Philmont because of a long treasured history. Yeah. And she spoke about it. Um, Ruth spoke about it. So, highly for Boy Scouts because it was just like a really sought out place and not every, not every Boy Scout got to go there. No, I mean, they had 22,000 kids every year and they have a two, two year waiting list to get in there. Uh, and so it's a, it's an epic adventure, you know, 11 day backcountry trips, you know, no two are the same. It's a uh, really kind of a, a, a proving ground of sorts. You know, and uh, uh, I'm grateful the relationship that we've had with them over the last, I guess it's close to 15 years now. Uh, that, uh, and we out with uh, fortunate to outfit those groups that are going in there every summer uh, through what we refer to as a pre sale program, where we put together marketing packages uh, nine months before those groups make it into camp and. They have the ability to buy our product, whether it be our performance shirts or neck gaiters or bandanas or microfiber hats, uh, stuff that they can get their local group information on and travel as a cohesive unit. And uh, it's pretty awesome. I mean, we get pictures all the time from groups that have um, you know, gone through that experience. And you know, many times that I've been an outdoor retailer over the years, I've met buyers and uh, or other folks that have um, come to know American Backcountry from when they went through Philmont. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Getting to learn the name at a Boy Scout age or wherever, that is really neat. So, um, and it also, are you guys looking for brand ambassadors? Are you looking to grow your company even more so? Because that's what it sounded like in some of the emails. We're always on the lookout uh, for ambassadors and Natalie facilitates those. Natalie Durap facilitates those on our behalf and she's uh, actively engaged uh, in the computer, in the um, community that you uh, are embracing. And, um, you know, we've got a, a handful of uh, uh, strong ambassadors at this point in time. And we're, we're always looking for the, the right folks to add to the mix. So absolutely. Cool. Cool. Yeah. It looked like you guys had, I was browsing the Instagram and it looked like there was a handful of people that um, are out there promoting your products. Well, there are best advocates, you know, the people that are out there actually engaging in the community and uh, actively engaged on, in the outdoors, on the trail or on the rivers and best spokespeople for what we're uh, trying to promote. And uh, will tell us what, what we're putting out there holds up or if it doesn't hold up, 
We're not worthy of being there. We're not, we're not useful to them if we're not providing them with product that uh, is working for them. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll look into being ambassadors for boundary water designs. Well, that would be a great idea. <laughs> yeah. We, we go up there every summer. Well, you've got, you've got a wealth of, uh, uh, opportunity up on the North Shore beyond the Boundary Waters. Uh, I was absolutely taken back by the waterfalls and the, uh, just the absolute, was it the Gunflint Trail that crosses over from, from, from the shore over into the Boundary Waters? Um, yes, Route yes. 61. It just, just uh, blew me away with the amount of wilderness and uh, that's, that's, that's there. And so you've got a a wealth of uh, adventure in your backyard. Yeah, yeah, there's oh, the North Shore, the, all of our state parks, the Boundary Waters, the North Country Trail goes through Minnesota. We we have a lot here. We're lucky. It's, yeah, a little drive for us, but not crazy. A few hours up the highway and we're there. So where are you located? Uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Okay, okay. We've driven through there. So I've been here since 1998, um, and I start, uh, got the company started in 1993. I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time, and uh, my, part, my then partner and I uh, moved it down to, well, we started printing t-shirts on the Outer Banks of North Carolina uh, then, and then in the early part of 1996, he got married, and we moved it down to savannah georgia which was too hot for me i couldn't so i spent about 18 months there and landed in the mountains i've uh, been here ever since so oh, okay it's a beautiful place over there in north carolina it is it's uh, it's changed a lot in the 20 plus years since since i've been here and it's turned into uh it's always had a natural outdoor habitat to it the uh, at is 20 miles away there's five really good whitewater rivers in our backyard, really strong mountain climbing, great mountain biking. So it's always in good climbing. So it's always had a, a natural outdoor affinity, but it's, and there's always been um, a contingent of um, ex hippies here or, you know, whatever, but now it's turned into this, uh, well, it's beer, Asheville's beer city. So, and it, it literally, and it's a, uh, it's just, it's not the town that I moved to, but it's pretty awesome in its own right. And there's a really strong outdoor retail, outdoor brand community here that uh, has established over the last decade. I mean, companies like Eno are here, Liquid Logic, Watershed, Dry Bags. There's, I think, 25 companies from Asheville that exhibited outdoor retail or so. Oh, that's awesome. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, we were only there for like an afternoon, but I think they had a lot of like outdoor thrift shops too. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of underemployed uh, professionals here that are just looking to live in Asheville that can't afford shopping at REI or so there's a lot of second gear shops and uh, secondhand gear shops and on the river these days, it's uh, which used to be an old warehouse district, an old textile district that uh, in 2004, there's a series of three hurricanes that struck the Carolinas back to back to back and just 
decimated the area and the mills were uh, destroyed and refurbished in uh, the arts community kind of took it on as their own project. The city got behind it and what has evolved is just this thriving arts community of that everything uh, Asheville has evolved around it. So there's a lot of breweries that have and, and um, distilleries that have converged down there, outdoor brands that have moved into some of the rebuilt warehouses. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a place that I'd love to go spend some more time in. Unfortunately, we're not able to go those places now. Got a hike in place for now. Yep. Sounds like that uh, nature's been shut down for a little while. Yeah. Is it the same situation there for you guys in North Carolina? It is. Uh, our governor put a shelter in place order about a month ago um, that uh, has been enforced. Uh, there's, uh, it needed to be enforced. A lot of the local trailheads uh, became as people weren't working and had a lot more time on their hands became kind of go-to spots and became very crowded and places along the AT that uh, local that um, the trailheads there were kind of uh, became very crowded and the ATC pulled their ridge runners off so there really wasn't anybody maintaining the trail. Uh, and so it just wasn't a good scenario. So uh, it was, it's difficult a decision is it, it, it was uh, for those folks to make those sorts of decisions and uh, along the trail corridors and in national parks and forests across the country. Uh, from our vantage point, it's the right decision. The sooner that we can get through the, the woods on this, the quicker we can get back to what we love doing. Right, right. Absolutely. I think everyone's just itching to get out there at this point. And yeah, we're all just waiting. And I would put a shout out if I could to support your local retailer. There's a lot of local independent outdoor retailers that are uh, going through a really, really challenging time at this point, like the rest of us are in, in trying to, to keep what we're doing alive. And that, uh, to be able to support them at however level that you're able to do that, whether it's through gift cards or when they're able to open their doors or if they've got online shops uh, to, to reach out and show your, your support because it's uh, it's, it's been a real challenging time for a lot of those folks. Yeah. Huge challenge for all those small businesses, local retailers. I know here in Minnesota, there's a local shop called Midwest Mountaineering yeah. And they have one of the biggest outdoor expos in the Midwest that's supposed to be coming up in two weeks. And it's probably one of their biggest sale times too, but obviously that's not happening. And that's a story that's repeated itself across the country. And in, in my world, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, festivals around uh, the AT, um, the pretty big festivals at that, that, uh, that have canceled uh, and, uh, to, for for smart for good reasons. I mean, and so get our ways through this as, in, as safely as we can, and uh, make our way back out uh, as intelligent as we can. And so we're hoping for you know whether this is wishful thinking or well, we're hoping that the lights can go back in 
uh, on in the wilderness uh, for Memorial Day. I'd love to see that happen. Yeah, I know. Memorial Day at this point seems so far away. <laughs> but yeah, we would we would all love to see that happen. So is there anything we didn't touch on that's really significant of American backcountry that we should touch on? Um, we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, we're grateful for the, the people that have helped us along the way. Some of those that I've mentioned to you, I mean, our early relationship with the Appalachian Trail Conference, that's now the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, and uh, the folks that, uh, that have given us the opportunities over the year that, uh, to really kind of uh, gain uh, some traction as a brand. Uh, folks like the uh, Film White Scout Ranches and the REIs of the world, uh, and a lot of the folks that have been with us for 20 plus years, uh, the local AT guys, Mount, Mountain Crossings and NOC and Mount Rogers Outfitters, uh, all of those folks we're most grateful for. And the, you know, we're as good as what we're bringing to them. You know, we know that we, there's a lot of really, really good competition for the product that we're taking to mar market these days, and we're not lost on that. So we're we're grateful to have uh, a following of sorts, and we're grateful uh, to be recognized in certain circles like the national park market and the different national trail systems across the country as, um, as a strong supplier. And we'll do our part to hold up our end of the bargain. And I appreciate your time today. Yeah, absolutely. We really have enjoyed having you on. And um, what about your favorite outdoor recreation activity? Do you, do you have a top favorite outdoor recreation activity? Well, you know, I, I cut my teeth backpacking and, you know, as a kid and you know, that's still my uh, favorite you know, activity to take part in. I, I get out uh, a couple of weeks every year on the AT to remind me why it is that I got involved in doing what I'm doing and uh, reflect on uh, what's important. Fortunate to have my family that's uh, that loves that as well, a daughter that's uh, 14 that's uh, been out on trips with me and uh, my wife who's got a new knee who's a, who, who's able to get back out with this as well so she's got a new knee she's got a new knee <laughs> oh <laughs> so for a while she was, she was out of physical she, well she was she was uh on the bench you know her 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 uh knees had deteriorated for a period of time and uh, as much as she wanted to be out there with this she was challenged by it but um we're excited to have her actively participating in our, in our outdoor pursuits these days, uh, along with our three dogs. Oh, three dogs. Wow. And they all go out with you too? Yeah, we got uh, yeah, two, la two, two labs and a, uh, I, would, I, don't, I don't know what we'd call our third dog, a uh, uh, portable curmudgeon is probably a good way to put it. <laughs> Yes. Adventure dogs are good to have. We have one yes, too. They are. Ours would be out for days and days and days. <laughs> they, uh, they have a natural affinity that uh, they help remind me of, which is, which is, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. And you said uh, your 14 year old daughter enjoys getting out as well. She does. She does. And she's uh, got a natural talent and, uh, she can outdo her old man these days. So, um, you know, I'm not proud to say that, but that's an accurate appraisal of today's current reality. <laughs> yes. Yes. But 
you know, you're the one that instilled that love for her. So there's a reason for it. You're, you're right with that. That's awesome. And you think that she's, she's always enjoyed the outdoors or was it something you guys kind of had to keep pushing her for? You know, as uh, any of your listeners who are uh, young parents will attest to when children are young, you're looking for any way to keep them occupied. And uh, our first experiences with Jillian was just try, try to get her to take a nap. And so rides through the wilderness would accomplish that. And then I uh, would carry her in a Kelty pack uh, until she was old enough to walk on her own. And But she uh, gained a natural affinity for herself and she kind of took on her mother's uh, gravitation towards uh, all things nature. And, you know, they have a different... Uh, nature experience than, than I would. They're more about stopping and smelling the flowers and uh, holding the butterflies and looking at the snakes. And I'm more about uh, getting up trail and getting miles done. So I've had to temper my pursuits, if you would, in order to continue to participate with them. But uh, uh, our hope is, is that what we instilled in Jillian is a uh, a young girl that uh, she'll carry within her into her adulthood. And we believe that'll be the case. Yeah. I think when it's instilled from, from childhood, a lot of people hold near and dear to that. I know both my husband and I love the outdoors and outdoors has been a huge part of our lives from, from the start. So I think there's a huge truth to that. And it's funny you say that you were trying, you wanted to get the miles on, get the miles on. That's, exactly how my husband is out on the trail. How many miles can we get done today? How many miles can we get done today? And I'm like, let's just, let's just enjoy this hike a little bit. Well, we men have a lot to answer for. And that's... Yes. Yes. That competition mindset. Yeah. That's why he, he through hiked the superior trail and not me. <laughs> Don't have that in me. <laughs> well, good for him for accomplishing that. Right. Right. Yeah, he did. Hopefully, hopefully he's got his eyes on what's next. Yes, yes. He he has dreams and goals to keep going at it. I remember I went up there that last day to get him. And I think we hiked a total of like 15 or 16 miles that day. But he was cl doing close to like 21 each day. But I did 15 that last day with him. And I was just, I was so exhausted by the end. I couldn't believe he had done that for three weeks straight. Pretty gnarly. I know. And then that people do it on the AT for six months straight. That's right. It's amazing. It's amazing. I have a lot of admiration and respect for people who do that. And I love reading about it and love talking to people about it. Don't have it in me to do it, I don't think. So if someone wanted to learn more about American Backcountry, where should they go? AmericanBackcountry.com is going to be your best source of information. Natalie, who facilitates all things uh, web on our behalf, is pretty good about keeping uh, us, our updates and new product offerings available on the website and on social media. Perfect. I saw you guys had a blog on there, too, where people write outdoor articles from time to time. Well, no better place to hear from the people that are actively engaged. Yeah. Awesome. Well... Thank you so much for coming on. This has been really great to talk with you. Thank you very much, Sarah. Grateful for the opportunity.
sometimes we all have that urge or desire to make a change. And sometimes that's in the form of business. And that's what the case was for Frank. He uh, mentioned in the podcast episode that he no longer had the desire to really continue his job in D.C. of putting on his three-piece suit. And he wanted a change. And the opportunity presented itself. He used his skill set, jumped on that opportunity, and has created this successful business, American Backcountry. And I think it's pretty cool how he did this business with his longtime friend he was mentioning, his friend from the Boy Scouts, and how such a strong friendship formed and bonded from the outdoors. I think there's a lot of people who can relate from forming friendships from the outdoors, whether it's on the trail, at a camp, in their younger years, in their adult years. Many people have formed deep friendships from being outdoors. Yeah, so if you get that urge, that desire to transition to whatever that might be in life, sometimes you got to just have a little faith and go for it. Take those opportunities when you do see them and don't sit back and just let it pass by and think, what if I would have done that? And it's really cool just to hear the story of how it's all evolved over so many years and the history of this company and where they were and where they are now. So you never know where you're going to end up when you start something. And some of the other things that Frank highlighted and Sarah mentioned in the episode as well is their use of kind of going greener with their brand and material and how one of their partnerships is with the Leave No Trace organization and how they look to promote that conservancy within their brand about that land stewardship and kind of taking care of our outdoors so that the American backcountry will remain for generations. So what better way to continue celebrating Earth Day than getting an American backcountry t-shirt? So you can go check out American Backcountry at their website, AmericanBackcountry.com. They have all their t-shirt designs up there. You can purchase their shirts and check out more of their story on their website. We'll have a link to their website in the description of this episode. So go check them out. And while you're at it, maybe go check out a couple t-shirts from Hiking Through Life. Thanks for listening. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors, and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.